You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They didn't know how hard I had worked to maintain being a good girl. Hello and welcome to the Miseducate podcast. My name is Sarah Gathugu, host and owner of the Miseducate blog and now podcast. This podcast is here to expand upon prior and future blog posts and is centered around having open and honest conversations about the aspects of life we have been misinformed on. Whether that be relationships, religion, culture, you name it, I'm here to talk about it. Each episode, I will be talking about a different topic and inviting guests to talk about their own experiences of miseducation and what they are doing to re-educate themselves. This podcast aims to make you laugh, think, and inspire conversations for change. None of us have it right. We have all been miseducated. On today's mini episode, we are talking about the girls. Yes, that's right. We're talking about the good girls. Um, We're going to be talking about her origins, her rebellion, and whether being the good girl or the bad girl really matches the rewards. So, without further ado... Let's get into it. So, hello. Hey, how are you? How are you doing? Um, I have recorded this episode a few times now. I think I always seem to record many episodes a few times. Just because I think as I was doing the research for this episode, I was learning a lot. And I think the past two times that I recorded this, um, firstly, the, f- the first time that I recorded it, it didn't actually record. <laughs> the joke's on me (laughs) um and then the second time I recorded it I was happy with it but I did not feel that I really articulated myself well and I think since being away yes that's right I went to Milan I went to Milan I went to Italy um since going away and then also having like conversations with my sister I feel like I've learned a little bit more and I feel like I can articulate myself better and kind of have my points a bit more concise I hope more concise this might be an hour long and if it is leave me alone why did I even want to do this episode like what kind of inspired this episode I think what's inspired this episode is just kind of reactions that people um I don't know if I can say reactions or like reactions or responses to just things that I've put out in the the on social media and on this podcast since its inception so for example a couple of weeks ago 
I was having a conversation with a friend and she was talking about the um and I know that her intentions were good but it did spark a conversation within me which sparked this episode um I was having a conversation with a friend and she said to me that she had listened to the episode that I'd done about sex and you know she was telling me her opinions and stuff like that and I thought it was very insightful especially because we also grew up in the same sort of environment and I loved having this conversation but she said something that really like she said something that really like sparked my curiosity not sparked my curiosity I don't even think that's the right word but it kind of like it irritated me I'm trying to think of a nicer word I'm trying to think of a better way to articulate it I can't it irritated me she was like you know it was really interesting hearing you talk about sex Sarah because I've never looked at you as like a sexual being and it irritated me because other people have said this to me before where they're like I've never seen you as somebody that would want to talk about sex or stuff like that and it's always been associated with this idea of me being a good girl I understand where a lot of people's mindsets have come from I understand where people are coming from I understand that they're they're okay maybe I don't even know whether I can say I understand their intention But at least I know with my friend when she said this, I understood her intention of where she was coming from, especially in the larger context of the conversation that we were having. I understood where she was coming from. But for me, when she said that, it irritated me because it reminded me of so many different people that have said to me, oh, I can't talk about this with you, Sarah. You're such a good girl. I can't can't talk about this with you. I can't taint you. Like, you're so good. We have to protect you. And I've always hated this kind of like, this narrative and this, this dialogue that people have had with me or this um, not dialogue that's not the right word um this kind of perception that people have had of me and it just sparked me to do this episode so let's just get into it who is the good girl anyway I've been talking about the good girl and how I've been labeled as a good girl but who even is she who is she does she even go here sorry (laughs) it's a force of habit um a little digression point yeah I've realised, oh wow, my sister said to me when we were on holiday in Milan, um, she was like, Sarah, I've realised that when I'm around you, I just speak in meme. And I was like, that's because meme is a language, okay? Meme is a language. So if you ever have a conversation with me and I start speaking in memes or like I start referring to memes, don't be phased by it. That's just who I am. That's just who I am. That's just who I be. So like, it irritates me when somebody points out, oh my days, that's that meme. You're referring to that meme. No, no, don't point it out. Don't point it out. You respond accordingly. And if you cannot respond accordingly, do not respond at all. Or at least give a little ha ha, ha 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 ha, you know, a little laugh. Anyway, I digress. Who is the good girl? Let's, let's talk about her. The good girl is a combination of innocence, naivety, timid and shyness, and she is the embodiment of traditional family values, such as the stay-at-home wife and mother. The good girl is likeable. She laughs at other people's jokes. She gets good grades and doesn't express strong views in conversations. She's polite. Oh, oh, and don't let me forget this. She is never too loud. You're being too loud. Oh, 
Sorry. The good girl is quiet. The good girl is submissive. She is delicate like a flower, fragile like glass. She is the Madonna, the one that men worship but never desire. Oh no, they don't sexually desire her anyway. The good girl is a virgin and sexually repressed because why should good girls think about such things? She is a positive influence on everyone, but especially men. And especially, especially bad boys. She reforms them and leads them away from temptation into being the leader of a righteous home. Think Daphne and Simon in season one of Bridgerton. So if this is who the good girl is, why does she then go bad? I think there are many theories and many reasons and speculations as to why the good girl goes bad. However, I think that the most prominent idea of what I found in my research has, I think, has been founded and formulated on this idea of temptation. There is a belief that within all good girls is a bad girl waiting to come out. There is a belief that within all women, there is an inherent feminine evilness waiting to be released. And you could even say that this is an expectation. She, they may be shocked that a good girl has gone bad, but they are not surprised because this is something that they have been expecting. And if you think about it, this has been littered throughout society, throughout the stories and the things that we've produced in literature, in the media, how we've talked about women, stuff like that. Like there's countless examples. Think about the story of Pandora's box. Think about Eve in the Bible. Think about even... Even celebrities, think about um, Miley Cyrus. These are just three examples of ways in which we have seen this narrative of the good girl gone bad. Rihanna once said, easy for a good girl to go bad and once we've gone, best believe we've gone forever. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about the good girl going bad. In the media, the good girl gone bad trope is portrayed as a sort of death, an irreversible transition. Think about the way that you have in movies or TV shows such as True Blood, the way that good characters or these morally good characters um, then become these, you know, vampires or become supernatural creatures and the way in which it's shown as, you know, the good character becoming becoming morally corrupt. Who so who is this bad girl? Firstly, like have we even talked about her? We don't even know who she is. The bad girl is the opposite of the good girl. The bad girl has all the boys wrapped around her little finger. She's sexually promiscuous. She speaks loudly. She chews loudly. She chews with her mouth open and isn't tied down to anyone or anything. Think about the stark contrast between Rizzo and Sandy in Greece. I think it's interesting that you have these people that are see these two women or these two characters at least that are seen as the pole opposite of each other and that they're pitted to against each other in the movie but also within society that these two women with these different ideals are pitted against each other and it's explained as like their ideals clashing and that's because the good girl bad girl 
exists on a binary and it's you are either one or the other. So you cannot be, as a woman, society says that you cannot be sexually autonomous and liberated and be a virgin. Like, you cannot be loud, proud and angry in your fight for social justice and also be an introvert. You cannot like rock music and heavy metal while also wearing pastel and floral dresses. You can't dress like a baddie on Instagram and then also expect a man to want to wife you up. This binary, even though it's seen as this transition, even though it's expected that good girls will go bad, this binary is there to exploit our differences, yet we are more alike, whether good or the bad girl, we are more alike than we are different. So let me tell you my story. Let me tell you my story. Let me tell you my story. Um, as you know, <laughs> um, as maybe you did know, maybe you didn't know, um, I was brought up in a cultural and religious environment that was very that I would say was very strict and was very restrictive. And I would also say growing up, I had a lot of anxiety. I was very insecure and I had a lot of depressive episodes. A lot of these things that um, developed as I was in my teen years, I kind of went through alone by myself because I didn't want to tell people that I was struggling. I don't think as well I had the language to articulate what I was struggling with. And I also think that the mentality of all that I'd been brought up with was very much like be strong, you know, strong black woman kind of, you don't struggle, pray about it, spiritual bypassing kind of thing. And so a lot of these things that I dealt with, I, I dealt with by myself in my room. And I do remember, I think probably countless pages talking about it and also I remember also thinking about it a lot when I was younger I had this belief that that if I could just be someone else I would be happy if I could just be someone that wasn't me I would be happy if I could just be more free more confident if I could say what I wanted to say if I could drink if I could go to parties if I could you know um go out with boys if 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 people desired me if I could just be someone else I would be happy. And so when I went to university, as I always say to people, when I went to university, my first year was very much shenanigans. But if we really dissect it and, you know, we strip away the ha-has and the laughs that I like to add on to it, if we're serious about it, when I went to university, I had more freedom and I could make more choices, whether they were good or bad choices. Like I knew that when I went to university, I was going to explore and exploring, I did. I could flirt with boys, multiple boys, and not just church boys. I could wear clothes that weren't necessarily modest. I could fucking swear. I could be loud. I could drink alcohol. And if somebody asked me, hey, do you want to do drugs? I could potentially say yes. Now, hold on a second. I am not endorsing drugs. Please do not do drugs. I am not saying go out and do drugs. I'm just saying that I had the choice now to do drugs. And I, and I could if I wanted to. I didn't, but I could if I wanted to. And I think that in this life, in this kind of the, the excitement and the euphoria of it all, I really just like enjoyed myself 
and I felt like I was truly free, that I was truly living, that I was truly becoming me. And I always explain it as like going from being, I saw myself as going from being a good girl to then being a bad girl. That's how I saw it. That's how I would explain it. I saw myself as going from one end of the spectrum to the other. Actually, no, I did not go from one end of the spectrum to the other. I I did not walk. I did not run. I did not even sprint to the other side. Baby girl, I teleported. I Dr. Stranged there. I said, you will see, you will not see me. And I say it like that because I was still existing in both realms, I guess you could say. But anyway, I was, yeah, I really thought that I was happy because I could, you know, I was living the best of both worlds. Like I could do, chill it, I'll take it slow. I could be both. And I really thought that like, this is where happiness would be for me. And that I was gonna be, like I could just kind of like disregard my anxiety, disregard my insecurities, disregard, you know, how I was brought up and all this different stuff. Like I, and disregard all the self-hate that I had. And there were two discoveries that I made. And obviously it's way more nuanced. It's way more layered. It's way more specific to me and my individual journey going through life in this world and on this planet and being a black woman, being raised as a black woman in this country. Obviously it's very specific and I'm just gonna kind of boil it down to the topic of this episode, but the two discoveries that I made was one, being this other person, being this alternate Sarah, being bad gal, did not make me happy. It didn't make me happy at all. Although I do not regret a single choice I made, a single choice. I made. I know a lot of the stuff that I was doing, a lot of the choices that I was making was just to distract myself and to comfort myself. And also because I could, it was a shiny new toy and I wanted to play with it because I could. And number two, something else of what I found out was that people's perceptions of me didn't really change at all. And I still felt judged because I felt judged when I was at home, being the good girl. And I also felt judged when I was now at university, being the bad girl. And it's interesting because I went from being, you know, called, oh my God, she's so spiritual, the Bible basher, like being kind of like ridiculed for, for being quote unquote good, to then going to university and being called a slut and a whore and a thought by people that I actually had considered to be my friends, people that I thought would take care of me. And I actually even remember that it was joked about that my parents were were gonna be disappointed in me if they ever found out about the things that I was doing and that other Christians probably hated me. And although I laughed with these people and I joked with these people, like their words did get to me. They did get to me. It affected me and it affected me a lot because they didn't understand, like, they didn't know how hard I had worked to maintain 
being a good girl. They didn't know how stressful it was. They didn't know how anxiety inducing it was to be a good girl, to work so hard, to have everyone like you and to make sure that, you know, prim and proper, like they didn't know. And that frustrated me. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Me. And it, that frustrated me. And the other day, I was thinking about how when I was younger, when I was really, really young, probably around like five, six, seven, I remember going to a church club. There was this church club that I used to go to every Friday night. Shout out to those that know exactly what I'm talking about, gang gang, um, when I was a kid. And it was kind of like brownies or like scouts, but like Christian. Um, and uh, there would be a part of the night where we would have like a Bible story. Somebody would share a Bible story with us. And um, basically what they would do is that before somebody would share the Bible story with us, they would ask everyone, they would say, you have to be really quiet. You have to sit really, really quietly. You need to sit up straight, um, fold your arms, fingers on lips and be as quiet as possible. And if you are, if you're good, then you will get a sweet. And I remember like sometimes I would sit so quietly and so, dang. I don't know if you can hear the music in the background. My dad is really blasting them tunes. Anyway, um, I was sitting so still, so quietly, arms folded, arms crossed, fingers on lips, finger on my lip, sorry. To the point that I would literally like not even breathe. That I would like sit there and I would, I would literally hold my breath because I wanted to be chosen so badly and I wanted to somebody to tell me that I was good. And I remember I wasn't chosen. I remember I was rarely chosen when those things would happen week after week after week. And I always used to be so confused as a kid because I was like, I was sitting so still. I didn't talk to anyone. 
give me the mawa, man. <laughs> nah, it was it wasn't. I think it's interesting because like, I remember when I thought about that memory and I, and I I kind of laugh because I'm like, okay, you did all that for what? A little pack of Haribos or a mawam? I was like, no, it wasn't about that. It's about being told that I was good, that I was doing something right. And it baffled me for a long time when I was younger of why I was never chosen. And it wasn't until I was older that I realised being good, being seen as good, is different when you're a little black girl. As I previously said, there is a belief that within every woman is an inherent evil. However, for black women, white supremacy patriarchy has told us that we are explicitly evil. In Bell Hooks's Entire Woman, Black Women and Feminism, she says this, Black women were naturally seen as the embodiment of female evil and sexual lust. They were labelled Jezebels and sexual temptresses and accused of leading white men away from spiritual purity into sin. I think when this kind of label has been placed on you inherently for centuries, you kind of have to develop a way of like distancing yourself from the negative negative connotations and so I think especially as a child for me I grew up and I think a lot of black people I think people of color in general but I can only speak from my experience as a black person we've come up with this idea of the good black and I actually wrote an article for black ballad which I will link on the miseducate blog um so that you can go read it for yourself but I actually wrote about this idea of the good black Because the good black describes black people who believe that by being good and doing good deeds, they will transgress racial boundaries. And the idea of the good black is about removing and distancing yourself from all negativity associated with blackness. So for black women, it is about distancing yourself from from your sexuality, from being loud and from being angry. And I think it's quite interesting that being shy and being timid is valued in white women because for black women to be quiet is to is forced upon us. And it's forced upon us a lot of the time so that exploitation of our bodies can go unchallenged. So that we can be silent, so that we don't have to so that we so people can can excuse not listening to us. A few weeks ago, I was having a conversation. I wasn't having a conversation with my sister. I literally was just doing a voice note to her. But I was thinking about this idea of the angry black woman, right? Of the, no, not the angry black woman, of the loud black woman. And um, why it is that a lot of people will say to black women, oh, you're so loud. And I think this is just my theory. I'm sure other people have also said the same thing too, but... I think that a lot of the time people tell us as black people, as black women specifically, that we cannot be loud, that we should not be shouting or whatever. Even when we're speaking at a reasonable volume or even what we're si- with what we're saying is very, um, is, uh, is important, it needs to be heard. <clears throat> even when the other person that we're speaking to, even if they're a non-black person, is also speaking just as equally loud as us. We're the ones told to stop being loud, why? 
because a lot of the time what we are saying as black people is enough is enough we are saying stop killing us we are saying stop exploiting our bodies we are saying our lives matter We're saying these things, we're being loud and we're being proud about who we are and about our existence and about our cultures and about how beautiful all of us are. And people will say, no, you're being too loud. You're being too aggressive because it's a way of shutting it out. It's a way of avoiding accountability and responsibility for the fact that you are reinforcing white supremacy. You are reinforcing racism and that change isn't gonna come unless you look in the mirror and see that you are also a part of the problem so instead of taking responsibility and accountability you say oh you are two decibels too loud for me honey you are not being loud if you're a black woman hearing this you are not being loud if anything, I would say you're not being loud enough. Continue to laugh. Continue to, to, to enjoy yourself with your friends. Continue to sing and dance and, and speak up against um, injustices in this world. I also think it's quite interesting when, because it's not just within um, when black people are talking about oppression, but it's also when black people are just enjoying themselves and then people will be like, oh no. Black people are enjoying themselves. Can't have that. Nope, being too loud. Shut down the party. Um, I don't know why I had to do an American accent for that because they do it here too. They're like, oh my God, those black people over there, they're just enjoying themselves a bit too much, too loud. I don't like it. It makes you feel uncomfortable. Why does it make you feel uncomfortable, Karen? Why does it make you feel uncomfortable, Richard? Could it be because you don't like seeing black people enjoying themselves. You don't like seeing black joy. Why? Because white supremacy has said to you that you're important, but not black people, and that black people should just be suffering and be inferior to you. Anyway, maybe I'm speaking too much. Maybe I'm saying too, maybe, maybe, I'm just gonna leave that there. I'm gonna leave you to do whatever you wanna do with what I've just said. But in the entirety of what I'm trying to say with this episode and in what I've been learning is that there has been a miseducation of the good girl, especially of her origin. Let's look at this actual label, the good girl. Let's look at it. Is it not interesting that, that, this, that this label exists to constantly label women as girls. I think it can be argued that it has been designed by the patriarchy to keep us stinted in youth so that we can be considered as naive and as moldable. And if we are seen as naive and moldable, that means then that we can't make choices for ourselves. And if we cannot make choices for ourselves, that means other people, men, can make the choices for us. I also wanna debunk this illusion that women are positively reinforced for being good because that's not the case. 
I think society gives this illusion that all women want marriage and they want kids and they love cleaning and cooking, etc. That they like all these kind of gendered behaviours. But in reality, we are shamed into this narrative. We are shamed into this good girl complex. I want to read a quote from an article and in which the writer says this. I recall simple things like wanting to eat a snack by myself being turned into debates of my so-called morality. These experiences left me so deeply wounded by and afraid of being called ungrateful, selfish and cold. I think in what the writer says, she articulates so beautifully how the behaviour, the behaviours of women are always considered in absolutist terms. The actions and behaviours, the actions and behaviours, however major or minor, are used to categorise whether women are good or bad. You are good because you do this. You are bad because you do this. You are good because you are a virgin. You are bad because you are sexually promiscuous. You are good because you have stayed quiet. You are bad because you are loud. The good girl is curated through a process of shaming, emotionally manipulating and condemning women. Lastly, I want to point out that there are few examples of the opposite. There are a few examples of the bad girl becoming good, yet there are countless examples of bad men becoming good. What does this tell you? What does this tell us? What does this tell women? I think it is another way of society reinforcing the idea that men are redeemable that men are worthy of redemption and forgiveness, but women are not. Society refuses to allow space for women to live in the grey. The good girl complex, the good girl, bad girl complex isn't really about morality or ethics. It's not about a woman being good. It's about control. It's about autonomy. It's about who can make the choices and who can't. So how do we reclaim goodness? How do we reclaim this this good girl? Or this bad girl? How do we reclaim this? How do we reclaim goodness? I have a few ideas. Number one. I think that we reclaim goodness when these... Stereotypical ideas of goodness are not imposed on women in order to make women hide them true, their true selves. But yeah, I think it's when we allow women to do these, these, um, these activities that have been, you know, assigned to us as gender roles, like allowing them to just enjoy them for what they are. Allowing women to enjoy cooking and cleaning because they enjoyed cooking and cleaning rather than looking at it as oh, well, that is just a gender role or looking at a woman and being like, wow, that's wifey material right there. Like, I think we reclaim goodness when we genuinely appreciate and value all women and not just in a performative way. 
So there's this section in Bell Hooks' All About Love where she says, often sexist thinking obscures the fact that these women, women that stay at home and are um, housewives and, and, and mothers, often sexist thinking obscures the fact that these women make a choice to serve, that they give from a space of free will and not because of biological destiny. When anyone thinks of a woman who serves, when anyone thinks a woman who serves gives because that's what mothers or real women do, they deny her full humanity and thus fail to see the generosity inherent in her acts. I think this is so important that when we just look at women enjoying these gendered roles as things as, oh, you're just supposed to do that, we deny, we deny women their full humanity we deny women their full autonomy. And so with that, I can only really say is pay stay-at-home mothers and also close the gender the gender gap in the workplaces and also give working mothers paid maternity leave. And with that, I close that point. Point number two, how do we reclaim goodness? I think we reclaim goodness by rethinking the way that we look at language. Kalechi Okafor from the Say Your Mind podcast, who you all know I love, said, I want to be kind, not nice. And she always says, I'm not a nice person. I'm a kind person, but I'm not a nice person. And by this she means, and she's explained it as, niceness is a social conditioning that is projected onto women in order for them to please others and to benefit everyone around them but themselves. It's a way of using women using them as a resource that can be squeezed out of but never poured into. Ooh, 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 that was nice. Okay, oh, I didn't know I was going to do that. Um, But it's a way of using women. That's what niceness is. While kindness, kindness is a deep-rooted respect for yourself and for everyone else. It's a way of pouring into yourself and then also pouring into others. That's point number two. Rethink of the way that we use language. Point number three. Point number three of how we reclaim goodness or how I think we should reclaim goodness is by destroying the binary and by removing these absolutist associations of behaviours. So you're not entirely good or you're not entirely bad if you do certain things. You are not bad if you are sexually promiscuous and you are not good if you are a virgin. Again, I use the term virgin in quotation because I don't believe in that construct. And if you want to know why, listen to the episode that I did about sex with my friends. It's episode 11. Um, You are not bad if you are loud and you're not good if you're quiet. I think these are coded behaviours and they do not define your morality and your ethics and how good you are as a person. I think another example of this that I can really say is that, what's it called? Um, When I worked at a summer camp, I had to stop using these absolutist terms when the kids would do things that would annoy me or that didn't comply with the rules that I was given by my superiors or also kind of rules that I needed to enforce in order to keep these kids safe. 
So I remember like, you know, giving timeouts and stuff like that. And the kids would say to me, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this to me? And there were times where I was like, well, you were being bad, da, 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 all this different stuff. But I had to be careful with how I would talk to these kids. And I had to say, you're not a bad person. You're not a bad kid because you're not a bad kid. This doesn't define who you are. But what you did did not comply with the rules. And so you had to have a timeout. Or you have to walk with me instead of walking over at the front of the line with your friends. You have to walk with me. And I think those are some of the things in which, like, it's so easy to live in these kind of absolutist ways. Especially, and I, I'm gonna, I'm calling myself out on here on this. It's hard to live without these absolutist terms, especially when somebody's behavior doesn't align or benefit you. So for example, somebody saying, hey, I don't want to do this. Wow, you're a bad person. Or somebody saying something to you. And this has happened to me. I'm really calling myself out here. (laughs) I'm calling myself out here. But sometimes we will assign people as bad people because what they did, even though it was for their for their own good and for for to create boundaries with themselves and for themselves and with you sometimes we will say and label them as bad people because it didn't benefit us i'm going to just let me just evaporate <laughs> cuz i'm really calling myself out here Dang, I'm calling myself out so much, I'm sweating. (laughs) But yeah, that's point number three. (laughs) Let me hurry up and finish this dang episode. Um, That's point number three. We need to destroy the binary. Um, That's point number three. We need to destroy the binary by removing these absolutist associations of behaviours. Because they don't say anything about who you actually are as a person. So what are my final thoughts and reflections and what am I learning? Blah, 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 blah. Um, I definitely think like to add on to what I was saying before about absolutist um, ideology, I'm really thinking that mindset and how I view myself and how I view others. And I think it's also important that I stop labeling myself as this good girl, bad girl, or once good girl, once bad girl, whatever. Just stop labeling myself as this person and to just kind of look at myself in my entirety because I feel like by labeling myself as just the the good girl in my childhood or the bad girl when I went to university or I, oh, I was rebelling, using that kind of language and using also that kind of absolutist mindset where it's like I was either one or the other denies me of my full humanity and de- denies me of of the entirety of who I am as a three-dimensional human being. I think also what I'm learning is that I really have to continuously remind myself that people are going to think what they're going to think and they're going to say what they want to say. And yes, I can fight them and I can correct them. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to think and say what they want to say. 
But, and this is the kicker, but in the same breath, as much as I am, as much as I am not accepting the projections and the opinions of other people that they put onto me, as much as I am not accepting those anymore, I also do have to continuously look deep down within myself and ask myself, what is this? What is it that I am projecting? Like, who? What version of Sarah is coming out? Is it this two-dimensional could good girl? Why is it that the good girl is so comforting? Because it's true, she is. And sometimes when I ask myself this question, I find that a lot of the time I, I project this good girl because, because of the shame. Because it's easier to just be what everybody wants rather than to be shamed because I'm not what they want me to be. I think also as a black woman, it's a way of projecting myself. However, in saying that and admitting that and in allowing myself to feel the way that I feel, I also have to, you know, continuously remind myself that I'm deserving of more. And that those who genuinely see me and those who genuinely love me will see that, that they will be patient with me, that they will be willing to learn. And I should be patient with myself and I should be willing to learn, to love and learn myself too. But anyway, that's a, just a few things of what I'm continuing to learn. Oh my goodness, I've just realised that this episode is so freaking long. <laughs> I genuinely, I got to the 15 minute mark, I digress. But I got to the 15 minute mark and I was like, oh, I'm going to be done soon. Gosh, I was like, actually, I need to talk a little bit more. Um, I genuinely thought this was going to be like half an hour. It is not, but eh, come see, come sa. But anyway, we need to end this episode. <laughs> How are you redefining what being good means? Let me know. And you can let me know by following Miss Educate on social media. The information will be in the description box below. Additionally, so will the Miss Educate blog where you can now listen to these episodes along with a few additional notes and access to the resources mentioned in this episode. And while you're there, don't forget to add your email to the subscription list so that you don't miss out on new posts. And lastly, continue to watch, read, listen, educate, and then re-educate yourselves. Make sure to rate, review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and share this podcast with a friend. And tune in next time for another discussion on the Miseducate Podcast. Bye! bad girl <laughs> how do i stop this i can't stop it for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call click granger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.